You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 344 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. I'm very excited about this week's topic, five portrait tips every photographer should know. Yes. But, you know, to start off with, I... um. I was watching, I'm big on a, a, a televised event. I don't okay. know if you know that about me. <laughs> but of all things, weird, but the, yeah. other, the other night I actually watched uh, Prince Philip's funeral. Now, sort of Why? I got into the royal family a bit more because I've been watching The Crown on Netflix, oh, yes, right? Yes, yes. And so I sort of got into it. But, but also there is actually a really good teaching moment in this. So what I've done is in the show notes, and if you want to follow along with me, just go to genomilish.com and click on the show notes for this episode. So it's episode 344. Uh, I've got a link to the Getty image coverage of this particular event. And the reason I share this with you is uh, for those of you, and I know there's a lot of photographers who not just, you know, shoot weddings, but commercially shoot events for different companies where they might send you out to cover the opening of a hotel Mm. or the, uh, you know, an engagement party or a birthday party or a sporting event. And uh, there is a real formula to getting good coverage or even, Mm. Val, and this goes back to your days in editorial, when you would send photographers out to just cover an event and do blanket cover. And I know you've been thrilled, both thrilled and disappointed with Mm. the results. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought something that was on the world stage like this, and I know not everyone watched it and not everyone gives two hoots about the royal family, but it's a real really good example of the, what the the best photographers in the world shooting for the best newspapers and magazines around the world uh, and websites and how they covered this particular event. So, um, can you see the link, Val, I that, can, I, that yes. I provided? Very okay, so basically, so it, what it was is, you know, the, the Queen of England uh, mar- married a guy. They've been married <laughs> for, you know, 63 years. This is my summary okay. of the royal family, you know. So, and and he died you know, at 99, which Mm -hmm. is like not that sad in the whole scheme of things, had a great life. But, Mm. you know, of course, because he's a royal, they have a royal event as a funeral. And it is quite a big deal, not as high key as it normally would be because there's this pandemic going on in the world. But Mm. still, the world is, is still interested. And so... When you talk, when you're thinking about like as a photographer and you're sent to cover an event like like something like this or a wedding, you know, or a sporting event or something, and you want to get good coverage, you want to think about um, 
how you're going to photograph it. Now, there are photographers that will just strap on one lens, one wide lens, and just do everything wide. There are photographers that will also just shoot everything long. Mm -hmm. Both not great options. What you want to do is have a range of shots so that the uh, there is interest and you tell the story properly. So mm. uh, on the Getty page, you can see that uh, they cover everything. So you want to cover the, uh, the, the human interest in the story. So it's like basically you want to do super wide, wide, mid, very tight and, and extremely tight to tell the story. So what the photographers has done is like there's one image that was seen around the world and it's of the queen and she's sitting in the um, the church and she's alone. Mm. She's like all alone. Mm. And the way they framed it, like they could have to, to tell that story that this poor woman is grieving and even though she's one of the wealthiest women in the world and one of the most powerful, you know, at the end of the day, she doesn't get away with, you know, having to grieve the loss of a loved one. And so how do you tell that story? Well, do, do you go in tight and capture the look on her face? Yes, but that doesn't tell the story. And so capturing that those empty seats yeah. all around her helps, really helps to tell the story. You know, the next image is like part of the whole, the interest the world had was there's a rift between the grandsons mm. of Prince Philip, uh, Harry and William. And so, you know, they, they needed to be captured. And uh, the way that the photographers captured them is it looks like they're walking together. And then there are like you want to personalize the event. So you want to look for things that you can take uh, very extreme close up. So if this was a wedding, there might be a note that the groom has written to his bride before the day saying, I can't wait to, you know, be your husband mm. or whatever. Or mm. there might be the rings or little tiny little details like this. And for the, for this funeral, what the, um, Getty photographers have, have captured uh, little t t tight shots of like, you know, the flowers and his um, uh, navy hat on top of the funeral, but a tight shot so you can see that. And there's also an image where there's a, a handwritten letter that the queen wrote to the to the prince mm. uh, that's sitting on top. So seeing that. And then there's, um you know, uh, you want to capture the super wide that sets the tone for the entire day. So there's a, you know, so if you're in, shooting a wedding you know you want to have the option of being able to like if it's a large beautiful cathedral at some stage you want to have the option to be able to run to the back of the church and get a shot of the entire scene the whole congregation in there and all the grandeur so mm. they've done that you know there's lots of shots that show the scale and grandeur so so you can see the super wide showing the scale and over you um an overview of the event all the way down to the tiny little micro details like, you know, that letter. And then, you know, obviously there's the other images that show, you know, the pallbearers mm. and that the capture the emotion. So you want to capture the emotion. You want to capture the color. You want to show the scale. And then you want to also show uh, the intimacy and the detail of the day. And so, you know, for, for any of you that are still learning how to document events like this, I think going somewhere like uh, Getty Images mm. and, you know, just type in whenever there's a big event. Like today, uh, as we're recording this, Val, the uh, the Oscars are happening yeah. in in LA. So or, or actually all around the world. So, yeah. again, there might be coverage. So whenever there's a big event like that that happens on the world stage, it's a really good way to have a look at uh, what the world 
world's leading uh, photographers are doing. So I just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, I think today. that's a great insight, and I think that is a really good idea to go to somewhere like Getty, an, an actual library that specialises in editorial, uh, just like Getty, um, where you can type in the name of the event and see what they come up with, because it's always interesting to see what they will emphasise. And I think you're right; you do need that variety. A lot of people make the mistake of just doing um, a, a particular type of shot, like as you said, a wide shot or whatever, and missing out on the um, close-ups and missing out on some of the stuff that really does tell a story. I think that if you're also doing an event like, um, you know, a, a big function or a big party or a place, I mean, <clears throat> obviously this was a very scaled-down um, funeral because of the pandemic, so there were there's only really a a handful of VIPs, so to speak, because it's just really his family. I think only 30 people yeah. are allowed in the yeah. um, church. But obviously when and there's three, – 3,000 of the military as well were there. Yes. But when you've got a, a big event um, – it's important as a photographer to have a briefing beforehand as to who do you want me to capture because you might make assumptions as a photographer on who is a VIP or who is important to capture, but they might not be the people who your, the organisers want to capture. So as you said, I've commissioned photographers for events before and sometimes I've been very happy and sometimes not at all. I remember one event where we didn't use a single shot. They were technically fine, in focus, all of that, but didn't use a single shot because the photographer took photos of these people who we had no idea who they were. <laughs> they were just yeah, random people who probably walked past and we actually literally none of us had any idea who they were. So we couldn't use a single shot and none of the celebrities, none of the actors, none of the team, none of the anyone who we knew um, was shot by the photographer. And it's so important that as a photographer, you ask, you know, um, if there are certain people that you would like, that the organisers would like you to focus on, because you might think that it's just going around snapping everyone having a good time, and in no. fact, it's it's probably it's possibly not at all. That is the best advice, and I actually had a uh, a friend of mine's sister got married recently and had a very young photographer doing the event, and they, they were just sort of asking me uh, questions about what they should be doing, and I'm like, well, when you meet with the photographer before the wedding, they're like, no, the photographer's not meeting with us. And I'm like, oh, that's a worry <laughs> because, like, that's when they ask all yes. those important questions yes. like, you know, A, are there any family issues mm. that we need to know about? Who are the key people? And it's like as a photographer, if you're shooting a corporate event or a, um, you know, a family portrait session or an engagement or a wedding, you have to ask all these questions yeah. and take notes and make sure that there is someone, a go-to on the day that you can ask questions of, like mm. who will point out those people because, you know, you can't be expected to know the organisation inside and out unless you're directly commissioned by someone that you've been working with for 20 years and you know who, who all the VIPs are. But, mm. you know, if it's your first gig, then there should be someone who's your point of call that, that uh, points those people out or at least gives you a list or a cheat sheet. Like I still get cheat sheets on TV shows that I go on because it's like I can't be expected to know who all the cast are of a, of a TV show. So you get a, a cheat sheet mm. with their real name and their stage name so that you know who your photo and who you're looking out for. So, yeah. 
That's a good advice, Val. All right, brilliant. Um, and also a great tip about going to Getty. All right, what else has been happening, Gina? So uh, for the gold members this week, I have just completed uh, part one of the Zero to Hero lighting course. Val, I'm really proud of this course and uh, this is probably uh, like 30 years of information that I have condensed into a number of uh, different, uh, you know, modules for this course and I have really tried so hard to simplify lighting and think from the position of the brand new photographer who has never picked up a light, doesn't understand how flash works, gets bamboozled by the science of flash. So it's designed for people that have zero uh, experience working with artificial lighting. And it, it, it's this whole protocol that you step by step by step, uh, you, you're required to have a styrofoam head. I've taken all the, the fear and all the factors that might be a bit intimidating. Like, you know, some people want to practice flash, but they're actually scared of standing in front of people, mm. right? So let's take that fear out and just do it. So, and also it's something that like, uh, for many of the, the gold community that I've been working with to perfect this course, they, I have gotten them from zero to hero in a matter of like three 30 minute sessions. So it's like, really? I know most of you work hard. You've, a lot of you have full time jobs. There's kids, there's dogs, there's all sorts of things to look after. So, you know, it's not, we, we don't have a days and days to spend on perfecting this. So like, if you can step in and take a half an hour out of your day, uh, you can knock off uh, module one, which a lot of the gold members have dropped today for the gold members, so that, that they're already starting on that, and it really simplifies it down to one light. Follow this protocol, and you can recreate natural-looking lighting mm. without being bamboozled, and so that when you go out in any lighting situation, you can recreate that same lighting and not only know where to put the lights, but why you put the lights in a certain place and really understand how to uh, work with flash and that's any style of flash so speed lights or studio lights the principles are all the same Val it's just yep. simplified non-techie no gobbledygook <laughs> none of that science stuff but it's it's explained in a way that like anyone can understand it so yeah, love it. very excited I, I love my little superhero cape on my little flash i'm very proud of that okay everyone <laughs> check out <laughs> gina's superhero cape on her flash you can have a look in the show notes at ginamilitia.com uh and i'm sure that everyone in the gold community is going to love this course if you want to find out a little bit more about the gold community and how you can be a part of it have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. One of the great things about being part of a community is exactly that, the community. The feedback and support you get from fellow members of the Gold Community at ginamilitia.com is invaluable. I asked Karen Pino about this. Thanks to you, um, I just decided to take everything that came my way and I started my business and I started full force and it was incredible. Before I joined the gold community, I didn't know hardly anything really. Um, truthfully, it's the community, the people are phenomenal. And when I go in and I put my pictures in and I get feedback, not just from you, but from 
other people that are um, doing really well and because um, there's all levels in the gold community and I love hearing from all the different perspectives it's so encouraging and then being able to go in and encourage others the same way that I've been encouraged it's just wonderful I also love the tutorials too I really I go in and I'm always like right before a job I'm going into the tutorials and I'm downloading them all into my brain I like the length they're concise they're easily you can go back to them again and again and again and it to refresh and then I can watch them and go practice and then come back and watch them and go practice and come back <laughs> so it really helps me to hone my skills that much further they're short but every time I watch them I learn something new the knowledge and the resources that are there are almost unfathomable you learn and you keep learning and it's just an amazing community I have recommended it to many friends actually <laughs> on Facebook all the time join this community it's awesome <laughs> If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, head to GinaMilitia.com and click on Memberships. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic. Very exciting. Five portrait tips every photographer should know. All right, where do we start with this? What are our five All tips? Right. So these are my five favorite tips and they're the ones that sort of aren't really talked about that much because they're, you know, like everyone wants to know how to get bokeh in the background, how mm. to get sharp eyes. But these are the, they're more than one percenters. This is the sort of stuff that like I, I consistently see people skip this step and it's just like a such a quick and easy fix that will take your work not to the next level but a couple of levels up. And, and so that's why I want to share with you and the, following these little simple protocols are going to make your uh, portrait images really stand out from the pack. All right, so mm -hmm. Val, first yes. one is composing your image. Now, a lot of people sort of think about like don't think about composing. It's sort of like, oh, there's a shot, let me just take it. There isn't a lot of thought. So, you know, there's three ways you can take a portrait. You can uh, point point your camera at something and hope for the best, right? Or you can pre-plan the shots or you can shoot intuitively. Now, this happens like the intuitive part is uh, when you've got a lot of experience. The part two is where you actually really give a lot of thought and consideration to where you're going to place your person in the frame, how you're going to compose your image. Now, I've, I've included this as part of the uh, Zero to Hero lighting course as a refresher. It's in all, uh, talked about in all the tutorials that I do and because it's important. And, 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 and the reason mm. for that is it really affects the experience, the viewer experience when you look at an image. So what you want is eyes on your image for longer because mm -hmm. the longer someone looks at an image, the more likely it is they're going to be attached to that image. And so when they're attached to the image, then they might be more attached to the photographer. So that they keep seeing images that just go, oh, I don't know what it is, but I just keep looking at these images. Then they're more likely, you know, to book you um, for their next shoot, right? Which yeah. is the, the name of the game. So... Um, what I want you to think about is when you're doing portraits is really think about where you're positioning your 
person in the image. Now, just by the way that the camera is set up, like you know when you're um, shooting and you're shooting in automatic, there is a little um, circle in the middle of the screen and that's where uh, the camera focuses. So most people by default when they're starting out will just naturally put the person middle of the frame because that's where it's going to be sharp because that's where the camera uh, focuses. But, you know, once you uh, get to know your camera a bit better and you learn, I think, the biggest game changer in photography, you did this, I taught you ages ago and it's changed your life out, moving those focus points around. Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> How good is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just a game changer, right? Yes. So um, moving the focus points around and I am not not a fan of um, uh, focus and recompose. Mm. I think it kills the flow. Great if you're doing sport, documentary, that sort of photography, but uh, portrait photography where you've got someone in front of you, you want to connect with them. If you're doing that focus, recompose, focus, recompose, it means you constantly got your face up behind the camera and you're moving away. And uh, I think it's a really uh, kind of distracting way to shoot. So I would rather move the focus point so I can, instead of having my focus point in the middle, I can move my person mm. to the left or right-hand side of the frame and then move my focus point so it's over the eye. So planning and giving you want to give your uh, model um, the person that you're photographing I don't mean a fashion model it's like you know uh, by model I mean that you know anyone and a warm prop basically mm -hmm. uh, as a person that you're photographing room to move in the frame uh, so you'd like positioning them in um, one one third of the way in rather than in the middle it gives the image a lot more flow rather than having them in the middle because you see them there and it's just stop and that's it but when you've got them to the side you've got space for your person looks at the the person uh, in the frame and then you'll look over to the empty part of the frame and that's a good place for you to put text as well so if you want to create tension in the image, you can do the opposite. So say that you want, you've got an image that you want to actually show that there's tension. You might be shooting for a murder series or you want to show drama in the image. Then you can actually have them um, really tight in the frame or in a very, you know, tucked into a corner and that shows tension. So you can really manipulate the reaction of the viewer just by having a little bit of careful thought to where you position the image. Now, um, when but most people will photograph slightly from above because someone in the 80s once said that if you don't want to have a double chin, then shoot from slightly above. And everyone that's got a, an iPhone now knows that if they shoot from above, the fact that you're using a smartphone where the lens is very, very wide, if you use a smartphone and you shoot slightly from above, it's going to distort your face and everyone really digs that smartphone look because it makes everyone look uh, uh, slightly thinner than they are in real life, okay? So <laughs> that look is a look, but what it does and what people don't understand is when you shoot from above, it diminishes that person's power. So we're all, as the viewer, looking down on that person. So it softens their energy. Now, if you want to make someone look heroic, um, then I recommend that you shoot from slightly below them. Now, 
The trick with this is if you shoot someone from below, slightly below eye level with a wide angle lens, it doesn't work. You need to shoot longer to have to have that work. So, you know, if you want to shoot people with a wide angle lens, then sort of step back a little bit rather than pushing in forward and a lower angle. So when you shoot from slightly below eye level, it makes people look more powerful, heroic. If you want to make someone look softer and slightly more uh, trustworthy, uh, believable, so say you're photographing someone in the health industry, Val, then you can do that shooting slightly from above. It softens them and uh, makes them look less threatening. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so um, that like, don't just go into your photography as a like, I'll just put the person dead in the middle, like a couple of little, little um, careful little tweaks and a, a bit of um, careful pre-planning about the position when you're setting up the shot. You always want to have, if you're doing a portrait, a tighter portrait, try and get the, the eyes of the viewer in the top third of the frame and that's going to make a huge difference. So that's your composition. All right. Yep. Let's let's talk about exposing for the skin tone. Oh yes, now, makes this such is a, difference, a big one. It? it makes a huge difference. Now mm. we need to talk about how the camera actually sees and why um, a lot of people get confused about exposing for the skin tone. So when the camera is uh, the light meter of the camera is actually re not reading the light that is hitting the person, it's reading reflected light. And so um, we go back, we blame Hans a little bit for this, okay? So Hans is the guy that back in the day invented the whole technology that goes into the camera. And we can say that it's um, it's good technology, but it's a little bit flawed, but there are workarounds. So if I was to photograph you uh, on the beach, Val, because mm -hmm, that happens a lot. In let's go back to the good old bikini days. Remember when you were making macrame bikinis, Val, for your bikini fashion line when you were going to be a yoga instructor? For, so we've got a lot of new listeners lately who may not know this about you. So Val in a past life was a um, hippy-dippy yoga instructor who used to make macrame bikinis and she used to model for them. So I think if you go Gina's deep, lying. deep, 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 deep into your Instagram, probably about, I don't know, six years back, you might be able to Jean find is some totally of those beautiful selfies. Mm. Um, so if I was doing that shoot now, Val, where I've got you on the beach, white <laughs> macrame bikini and uh -huh. the sun's behind you, right? So you're kind of backlit. And if I was to get the camera, line it up, I'm going to focus over your eyes and I'm going to do auto right, because mm. camera knows what it's doing, I'll take a shot of you, um, I would get an image where the background looked so-so and you as the skin tone looked so-so, but you would probably be uh, underexposed. Mm. You'd be too dark. And this mm. happens consistently. So the reason for this is because the, the light behind you is confusing the camera. Yep. It gets confused. It's not that bright. So what it does is it's reading all the light that's uh, reflected from behind you and uh, it's saying, oh, 
This is really bright. It's really bright, Dave. Dave, Dave. It's really bright. We need to we need to expose this a little bit darker so that everything looks good. It's also the way that Hans programmed the camera in this very conservative way. Mm-hmm. What they want is they want your your photos to look uh, kind of good enough. All right. So they want to have when you take a photo, it's important to the Hans of the world who develop the cameras that there's detail in the background. Detail in the skin tone, detail in the sand, detail throughout the whole picture, right? Mm -hmm. So when you take the picture, there's just a lot of detail, but it's just a lot of, it's not great, right? Yeah. So what you want to do is override the camera's uh, factory settings, get it off auto, go into manual, and basically what you do is because you're focusing on the face or over the eyes, that focus is also what meters from the camera and overexpose. So let's just say I want to have a blurry background. I want the water to be out of focus, Val. We're going for a high fashion look because you're in your macrame bikini. So I want to do something that you'd see uh, kind of on the pages of Elle magazine, right? Mm -hmm. Or name a magazine that actually is still in existence, Vogue, all right? Yes. So we're going to do a shoot for Italian Vogue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's the swim, you know, the the summer issue, or, no, September issue of Vogue. Yeah. So we're going to be lo- launching, you know, your swimsuits to the world <laughs> and it's going to be a cover shot of you. Now, because I want this composition to be all about you, the hero, Val, I, I'm going to have you, um, you're going to have the bikini low so that you see <laughs> the, the, the hip, the hip um, muscles there, right? <laughs> The female gift. So, because and you, you would can have. See those. So, 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 no, we'd have a little program before, like there'd be a couple of weeks of no carbs, no salt, just okay. to get you into shape. But the macrame, because you've got the bikinis that they've got the string on the side that are tied in a bow, right? Yep. On the side. So, you got, you kind of got your fingers hooked in there. Do you know the look that I'm yeah, going for? Yeah, I know for? the look. You know exact look. Okay. Right? So so I want the background to be out of focus. So I'm going to be shooting long, mm-hmm. right? So I would probably shoot this at around 150 millimetres. Um, I'm going to be back a little bit. So I'm going to allow uh, a bit of space above the head for the masthead. So mm. when you're shooting cover, you always want to allow space for the masthead, yeah. right? And um, I want to see a, a – a, tinge of blue from the water and the sky but I don't want it to be super detailed so what I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot wide open so I'm shooting on my long lens f2.8 okay Mm. I'm outside so I'm going to have my ISO at 100 and then what I'm doing is because I'm shooting in manual mode I've set in those two parameters I decide how I want my portrait to look I want a blurry background therefore I'm shooting wide open and I don't want a lot of noise because it's cover. It's cover for Vogue, Val, mm. right? We want it to look good, so I'm going to shoot 100 ISO. I've got you posed there in position. Early in the morning um, as the sun's behind you, which makes no sense, but stay with me. Okay. So it's kind of softish light. I'm not going to use flash because I don't want to confuse the situation here. We're just going to use lovely daylight. Right. I'm exposing for your skin tone, okay? Mm. Now, if I... I've got the 100 ISO set, f2.8 set. Now, if I look through the viewfinder in the camera, there is the camera meter. So you've got a zero in the middle and depending on what the camera is, 
overexposed is either goes to the the right Mm -hmm. or to the left just Mm -hmm. to confuse everything but what I want to do is I want when I'm exposing for your skin tone I need to blow it out by about one stop according to the camera meter okay now the reason I'm doing this is because you are backlit and the camera is reading all that extra light Mm. and if I don't do that your skin tone is going to be too dark. Mm-hmm. So if you've not ever done this experiment for the listeners, I really suggest that you give this a go. So mm. take a friend or your styrofoam head down to somewhere where you, you're, you've got light behind them, even put them in front of a window and do this experiment. And what you're going for is the skin tone don't worry about the background. And you see this a lot in fashion magazines, That this fashion book. There is an example of this in the show notes where I've got, this is exactly how I'd shoot you, Val, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. for the Vogue cover. Can, yeah. can you So you can see this mm-hmm. is at the beach and the sky, we've got a little bit of detail in the sky. We can see the water. It's just a very light blue and we've lost the detail in the sand, but it's just a hint of something in the background mm. and the skin tone is light and bright and beautiful. If I didn't do that, if I didn't overexpose, I'm going to get too dark a skin tone. Yeah. Now, I do this as a general rule for all images. If I'm shooting with flash or I'm shooting with daylight, I overexpose by half a stop to one stop. So generally when you're taking, uh, when you're setting up your exposure, if you're shooting in manual mode, instead of having that, that, um, the setting in the middle over the zero, you want it to be overexposed by half a stop to one stop. Mm. Give it a go. See how much better the skin tone looks because it's like it, it eliminates all the unnecessary detail. And believe me, it's not going to blow out the skin tone. There is plenty of latitude for you to move that. And it's a game changer to how the skin tone looks. And don't worry if you blow the background out. So it's do you fine. feel that that is the better option rather than shooting it as it, you know, as it is and then, um, making changes and adjusting it in photoshop get it right get it right in camera like Mm. you know when i was shooting film uh i would get it right in camera it's Mm. get it right in camera you don't want to be because then you can take it even further Mm. get the look that you want in camera yes Mm. val all right because what happens is if you're not if you're underexposing the skin or the skin is dark and Mm. then you try and open it up in post-production and the skin isn't lit properly Mm -hmm. you get a lot more noise on the skin tone so it's much better to do it in camera and blow it out and that's that that high fashion look you know that that for your cover are you happy with that as a as a concept thanks can't wait to be on the cover of italian vogue (laughs) so i'll be be up in two you've got six weeks to get in shape all right great great cover fantastic i have to stop eating those um magnum salted caramels oh my god well so yum yeah and do you get the packets or do you just get single i get the tub um it's a, it's a small tub. That's small tub. Yeah, what ha- yeah but still. No. Yeah, I know. It's like, I've had it's to actually not in put the, a stop not, to it. Yeah, it's not allowed in the house. But look, listen, I know. it's Italian Vogue. You can suck it up <laughs> for six weeks, all right? So just like no more magnums, all right? I, I like how we're talking about it as if it's real because like it's so not. Anyway, go on. It's What's so next? happening. Um, all right, white balance. Mm. Now this is something that everyone <laughs> – 
<laughs> routinely mm-hmm. completely ignores. <laughs> and it's about, it's something that uh, new photographers, exper- experienced photographers and less experienced photographers don't notice at first. Some never notice it. It's important. It's a game changer. Okay. So what happens is... Um, have you ever noticed, Val, that like, you know, there'll be, uh, you'll be in a room and it's uh, beautiful, warm sort of candlelight and beautiful, warm lights. So, like, you might be at a restaurant and then you take a photo and if you notice it's like, oh, it looks really yellow. Or mm. you say, oh, here's good light here. Take a photo, take a photo. And someone takes a photo of you and then your skin tone looks red. And mm. it wasn't red when you looked at it or when last time you looked in the mirror you didn't have. So, like, you're not yes. an alcoholic yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> like how I said yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't, have that, you don't have that red skin tone. Why does the skin oh. tone look so red when you take the photo? Why? So annoying, right? Can I just say that I um, someone was doing a shoot with me, and I swear I did not look that red in real life. And they the the final results were horrendous because I really looked, and I had proper makeup on and everything, and yeah. I just really looked red and blotchy. And here I was, kind of thinking this guy's going to be okay because he'd just come off working in the I won't say which department, but um, a, a relevant department on Mad Max Fury Road. And You're right. Uh, maybe he was the intern. I don't know. So Still white scarred balance. by the experience. Yeah, white balance, really important. And it's something like, you know, once it's pointed out to you, you can't unsee it. It's like the day a photographer actually sees the difference between hard light and soft light. That's the same with color white balance. So it's basically the color temperature. So when we uh, look out, like so at night, Val, I've got these uh, blue uh, light blocking glasses. So they're like they make everything red or orange, right, that I look at. And it just uh, cuts all the blue light, helps you sleep better. When I first put them on, and and so have you ever had sunglasses that have got a blue tint or a yellow tint to them? I don't wear sunglasses. You you don't wear sunglasses at all? Almost never. Yeah, come to think of it, I've never seen you in sunglasses. Have you ever worn anything tinted at all or have you ever looked out a tinted window and the world looks a different colour, right, and you notice that and then – but. Have you noticed that after a while you stop seeing that and everything looks normal again? I never wear them for long enough to, for that to happen yeah, to me, right. but okay. I believe So what you. happens to normal, normal people who wear <laughs> tinted sunglasses, right, yeah. is after a while the brain actually regulates what you see and you go from seeing those warmer temperatures or a colour cast to not seeing it at all, right? Mm, mm, we mm. constantly the, – the brain is really clever at updating us, but – so the naked eye can't see the colours cast, the camera can. Mm-hmm. So that's the issue. And uh, so that's why that w- when this photographer made you look red and blotchy, <laughs> possibly in the room there was like a million different light sources, LED mm. lights or whatever that were cheap mm. um, and they cast because different lights like the in the ceiling and all of that, depending on uh, how – 
well-made they are, they'll have a slight colour cast. So fluoro, old school fluoro lighting mm. has a green cast. Some have an orange cast. Some are red. Some are blue. It depends on the light. This is all going to impact how skin tone looks. And at first you don't notice it, but what happens is like when the Goldies post an image, one of the first things I do is I correct the white balance and I'm like, mm. okay, here it is with the white balance corrected and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't notice at first but mm. now I see it, I can't unsee it. I can see the difference. So this is the one of the single most radical changes you can make to your images and this is something that just needs to be in your protocol. So before you're posting images to your Facebook groups, before you're sharing images anywhere, make sure that the color balance is correct so that it's back to neutral. So as a protocol, um, what I do is I shoot in RAW and I will set my color temperature in my camera to 5200 Kelvin, which is daylight, okay? So I preset that and I'll do the entire shoot that way. And then when I get all the images back, I'll import them into Lightroom and then I will adjust the white balance. So there is a, a technique to adjust the white balance. So let's just say, um, and I've got an image also in the show notes, Val, and you can see what changing the color temperature can do to your image. So I've got the same image and I've changed the color temperature and it can go anywhere from, you know, very, very blue in the skin tones to very, very yellow and very, very orange. And it's a big difference. And what you want is something a little bit more neutral and you can tweak it uh, to your liking. So as a rule of thumb, what I do with white balance is if it's an art image or a portrait image and it's not likely to be um, that the colors are crucial. So you're not shooting for a, a commercial uh, company where they're trying to sell t-shirts and they're saying that they're red and then you shoot them with the wrong color balance and they end up being purple. You know, that's crucial that the product, like your paintings, Val, if I was photographing those, you wouldn't want me to use the wrong um, white balance because suddenly then all the colors shift and mm. then the people who order the painting thought they were getting purples when it's actually reds. So yep. does that make sense? So yep. it's really super important in those areas, not so much in portraits, but it does make a difference like it, as you said earlier, that the skin tone is not super red or super magenta. Mm. And that's the first thing that I see stands out. So it really cleans up the skin tone and gets it back to whatever color. Now, it depends on the person as well. So someone who has a very, very dark, very black skin tone, there could be blue tones in that skin tone, right? Mm. And someone who has a very, very white, light, pale skin tone, they could have uh, shades of hues of pink in that skin tone. Mm -hmm. And someone in the middle who's got like a, uh, a sort of a, a brownish skin tone, it could either be blue or it could be uh, yellow or orange undertones. So these are things that you want to uh, focus on and be aware of. So basically what I do is I shoot at 5200 and then I bring my image into uh, Lightroom and I will do a white balance on an area of white mm. that is um, not lit. So let's just say that you had a person in a white suit standing in full sun. If I was to use uh, anywhere in the suit that was in um, 
in bright sun to do the white balance, it's going to give you the wrong reading. What you want to look for is somewhere what, like if you've got an area of the shirt that's kind of in shade, like underneath the jacket where it's in a bit of shadow. And I've shown you an example of that in the show notes as well. A good place to do the right white balance is an area that's not highly lit. It's like sort of light gray in, in color. You do a white balance there and uh, then what you're basically saying to Lightroom is, hey, Lightroom, this is a neutral spot on my image. Do your magic and Lightroom will adjust all the colors in that image and give you a neutral white balance and eliminate all those color casts. So if your photographer had have done that, Val, you wouldn't have looked red and blotchy or your skin tone wouldn't have looked that red. And I certainly won't do that for our Vogue Italia <laughs> swimwear edition cover shoot. Your skin will look uh, perfect. Great. For that shot. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to have the good white balance. Mm. Now, a tip. Uh, carry a, a gray card with you and just get the person to hold it up in the first shot that you take under those lighting conditions and then you've got an area that you can do a white balance from. If you don't have a gray card, a great little trick that I use is to use the whites of someone's eyes as a white balance point because uh. if you're doing a portrait, there's always going to be the whites of the eyes. Mm -hmm. Now, be careful with this because you want to zoom right in and you don't want to white balance off. You know how some people have red veins in there? Everyone yeah. has red veins yeah. in their eyes, right? If you hit a vein, right, the 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 software is going to think that your your image is red all over and it's going to overcompensate and it will give you the wrong white balance. So you want to make sure that you're not hitting the vein. You want to be in the white of mm. the white of the eye. Give it a go. It's a really good trick. Mm -hmm. All right? Cool. All right. Now, next one. Mm. Uh, big one. Uh, again, it's a trick that everyone should know but – very few, very, very few photographers actually bother with this one. Uh, it's connecting with oh, the subject. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, a lot of photographers will just rock up to the shoot, go, uh, so the connection or the foreplay, as I like to call it, mm. is, yeah, Hey, go and stand there. All right, click, click. All right, see ya. Yes. <laughs> I was. I, I did a shoot once um, with a photographer and we were actually photographing Isla Fisher who, um, mm -hmm. you know, is uh, an actress. She's married to Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, I can't believe you just said Isla Fisher. Someone, uh, uh, we were at lunch on Saturday mm -hmm. and someone in the group said that that was their um, – What's the what's the word where you, you the hall pass the hall pass oh, is the, Isla Fisher. Oh really? That, yeah. <laughs> I'm like really. That's bizarre. Isla Fisher. Interesting. Okay. okay. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, um, the shoot went well, uh, yeah. largely because um, you know she was professional and she mm. knew what to do, and it was not her first rodeo, and. Uh, but I did sort of kind of think, what? Um, you're not really offering much direction, but it kind of didn't matter because Isla did its, you know, just carried it off. Um, but so I booked him for another shoot with people who were not as experienced as Isla. Yeah. And again, no direction. I'm just like, are you going to like <laughs> speak? Yeah. So he was just kind of shooting, 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 hoping that 
one of the shots was going to be great and and they were just terrible. Mm. Um, so it didn't work out. <laughs> no. so Because this... there was no connection and he didn't really, no. you know, um, give them any direction or have any connection with any of them. They kept looking to me for validation. They kept looking to me for what do I do next because he wasn't offering any instruction. Yep. This is a hangover, Val, from the days of like – so we think about how the commercial photography industry evolved and uh, when when we started doing advertising shoots in, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s, they hired professional models for everything. So, you know, the bulk of photography, if you were in a a photo shoot, you would have been a – a model from the 50s, 60s, 70s, right, or you were a famous actor, you got Mm. photo shoots and maybe if you were an accountant, (laughs) you got your headshot done as well. Okay, now times have changed now. (laughs) Yeah, or a real estate agent and that's pretty much it. That's Mm. who got their photos taken. Now everyone, everyone, the vet has yes. photo shoots yes. and and not just one. They'll have like there's a vet on Instagram that I follow. I've got to send you a link. He's mm-hmm. so hot and he dances. <laughs> he dances with his shirt off and then he gives oh you he, he gives you vet tips. Like <laughs> he's so hard funny. to, very difficult to take him seriously but it's like this is what I'm like, this is what the world has become. You know, he gets, he gets like oh, they're all TikTok videos, right? So, oh, my God. So, What's happened now is as a photographer where is like once upon a time you would rock up and the and and uh you didn't really need to do much directing and posing mm. because you had professional models yeah. and if the shoot didn't work out blame the model and there's mm. still a lot of photographers that yeah I didn't get any good shots the model was a real dud mm. and so if that's you and you're saying that shame on you mm. it's not the model's fault it's actually your fault so it's mm. your responsibility I believe mm. that the it's the photographer's responsibility to work with the model and get the best out of them. Then there are going to be people that are going to be a lot harder to shoot. There are people that are just naturals in front of the camera, but that's not to say that, you know, some of my best shoots and most satisfying shoots is when I've got someone that's super introverted, super camera shy, Mm. super awkward, and then if you get a great shot of them and they're just delighted and and you have a client for life when you can do that. So there is – 5% 5% of the population, 3, 3% of the population that are going to just turn up and turn it on and give you a great shot, okay? Mm. They're the, they're, they're, it's just an accident of birth that they happen to have all the right angles and they're called supermodels, right? They just happen <laughs> to look great. You can't take a bad photo of them. Mm. What about the other 97% of the population that all want photos? Mm. So they all want great shots for their vet profile, their car salesman, their, their, their every, every yep. you know, profession mm. need photos. So it is your job. And if you can learn to do these things, and it all just comes down to practice, if you can learn and have these skills, you're going to be booked ahead of every other photographer because if you go away after the shoot and that client has just said, oh, my God, I felt so comfortable, I look so natural in my shots, they're all so authentic, this photographer made me feel great about myself uh, and we got that connection, they're going to just keep booking you because it's like they're going to need their photos updated every couple of years and whether that's family portraits or commercial uh, photo shoots, 
you've got them for life. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to the person who just rocks up and says nothing other than g'day, hang on, <laughs> yeah, stand there, let's take the photo. <laughs> All right, so you start out. It's it's just basic um, talking to people 101. Now, you're going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, fine for you to say, Gina, you're so extroverted and out there, you know, it's easy for you. Let me tell you something mm-hmm. for all of you who I haven't already explained this to and Valerie backed this up. How introverted am I? Yes. On a scale of one to ten, one being not at all to ten being extremely, ten. where would you rate me? Or 9.9. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I don't like being around people at all. <laughs> I get social anxiety, you know, and it's weird because here I am talking on a podcast, it's different, and most introverts will say the same thing, it's different. I'm just talking to you, Val, at mm-hmm. this point. So I can do one-on-one, but I do feel really awkward in those situations. So And this but, is something- but you don't on Clubhouse. <laughs> Again, I don't have to look at anyone in the eye. And so that's the difference, right? So it's just a weird thing that us introverts like to be at a distance where we're safe and I know I can leave anytime I want. (laughs) That's the other clincher. You know, I have to have an eye on the door so that I can leave when I need to. But um, I was nervous talking to people. I felt awkward. I I wasn't great at the start, but I just pushed through and kept practising and the more you do it, the more you get used to it. So it's basic. It's just having an interest in that person. Start with just common decency. You know, if you've got five people coming in for headshots, introduce yourself to each person. Mm. How are you going? Allow three minutes of just chit-chat about nothing. Avoid politics, religion, money. Like the three no-goes, talk about something that you like about them. Just do chit-chat. That's a really nice bag. Where'd you get your <laughs> coffee? How did you get here? Just normal chit-chat. We've done deep dives on this in the podcast. There are, there are heaps of examples of that. So yeah. I recommend that you do that just to connect. The other thing, Val, this is such a big deal. Mm. When you're directing, speak clearly. Oh, now, yeah. how many mm. times have you had photographers that are mm. behind the camera going, you stand up, yeah. 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 or they oh, they speak really quietly and you can't hear them. Be I confident know. with your speaking. Again, it's practice. The more you do, the better you get. But just be aware. The best advice I can give for any photographer coming up is to A, Go and have a photo shoot with any random Mm. um, and have a bad photo shoot and then experience a good photo shoot and see the difference. And first, A, you're going to see exactly how vulnerable you feel as the model in front of the camera getting photographed. Like you'll know what good direction is and you'll know how, how, how bad direction makes you feel. So, you know, Mm. if someone says the wrong thing to you at the wrong time, that can send you into a complete spiral, all right? So that's really important. And, you know, taking that extra time to have that little chit-chat and really connect, and this is not sitting there and talking about yourself and how good you are (laughs) because I've had that experience myself. And I'm sure you've had photographers that go, hey, I'm so good, let me tell you how good I am. There's a... (laughs) There's a word, something to do with something jam. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> there's uh, there's those experiences. It's not that. It's just like keep asking questions about the person. Not personal. Just keep the chit-chat yeah. going, speaking clearly. Now, when you're directing someone, involve them in the shoot. It's like, hey, 
um, I'm going to get you to stand here at the window because have a look. I'm going to go stand there now. Can you see how beautiful this light is? Have a look at this light. How good do I look? This is how I speak to people. You've seen it, Val. You've seen me do this. I'm so up myself right now. Look at this light. You look that good in this light. You stand there too, right? And so Mm. anything that can, you know, because otherwise they're going to go, oh, why am I standing there like that, you know? And if you're using flash as quickly as you can, show them that first photo because they're going to be standing there in caca light thinking this person doesn't know what they're doing right? Mm. So straight away, shoot with the flash, show them the back of your camera or show them Mm. on the screen, go, have a look at this, have a look how good you look. And then you've got their confidence. Yeah. All right. So tell them what you're doing. Why are you standing here? And then I want you to stand in this way because have a look. Like I do it all the time like with, with the neck and the chin yes. thing and I go, okay, so when you put your chin like this and I will do it, have a look at what happens to my chin. See how it looks like I've got four chins, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when I stand like this and I put my arms out and I push my face forward and chin down because it's like sometimes I say face forward, chin down, I can see behind the eyes the thinking process like – they're looking at me like this person doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> that when I put my chin down like that, they're going to give me four chins. So I go, I know what you're thinking. Let me show you. Have a look. So here's what you're doing, and this is what I'm telling you to do. Mm. And you're showing them the difference, and that that is like involving them in the shot. And it doesn't take a lot to just engage. But can I tell you, that's more than ninety nine percent of photographers are doing. So if you can learn to do these little things you are going to stand out and be in work for the rest of your life if you Mm. want to. So little things like keep talking, lots of praise and encouragement. It's like when you're training a dog, ignore the good, ignore the bad, praise the good. So when they do something bad, like they they put their hand in the wrong spot, don't go, roll your eyes. No, Mm. that's wrong. That's not what you do. (laughs) Just ignore it. And when they do something great, you go, oh, my God, when you laughed off the side like that, that was amazing. That looks so good. Keep going. Praise, praise, praise. The idea behind this, the idea is if you can get them to walk out that door after that studio feeling 20 feet tall, Mm. you've done your work. And that flow-on effect um, keeps on going and and they feel good. And you get that light in their eyes. They light up from the inside out. They will come back again and And again and again because they might not come back, Val, they might not come back straight away. Some people, what they do is they go, yeah, that was good, but I'm going to try someone else. Mm, and, and they that's do. Even better. And yeah. That's even better because they go to someone else who gives them the zero, you know, doesn't tell zero them anything. Zero connection. And no connection, no directing, and they just get these flat, you know, images and then they go, oh, my God, I've just realised what I had. Then they'll come back to and you. And here's so, a hot tip. You know, Don't be telling the subject that you are photographing how you spent the whole of the last week shooting Charlize Theron and how easy it was to shoot her because that doesn't make that person feel so good. No, forget about anyone else that you photograph. The only person, and it's like I'll tell you, this is a hot tip from all the like top CEOs that I've met, all the A-list photographers that I've worked, all the A-list celebrities, and I'm talking like A-plus list, right? Do you know the one thing that they have in common is that when they talk to you, you're the only person in the room. Yeah. 
They are locked onto you and it might be a three-minute conversation, but that's what they're masters of. So Mm. if it's your life's work to make that person in front of you, and it's not hard to do, and it's like it's a general courtesy that you should pay to everyone that you're talking to. They are, at that time, if someone's standing in front of you, they are the only person in the world and they're the most important person to you. That is going to make a huge difference to your photography. And no, I spent all of last week photographing a supermodel and gosh, she was so amazing. <laughs> and anyway, now I've got you. So here we are, you know. No, That's no. not what you say, <laughs> you know. Um, you want to make them feel – and it's like, you know, I, I learned this from my mentors, you know, you and I watched and I saw the effect of like when you tell someone – um, you know, these things and you make them feel amazing in an authentic way. Don't bullshit people because mm. there's a tone in your voice. We know when we're being con. You know when you're standing. You know, car salesmen are notorious at it. You know, when they're trying to upsell you and they're trying to go, well, that's a uh, – the uh, clothes sales girls do it as well. Oh, hi. <laughs> what are you doing on the weekend? Mm. And I like, I'm like, you know, you couldn't care less what I'm doing on the weekend. Don't ask if oh, you're reading I off know. a script. It's so like, you know, that that sort of stuff does not work. There's something in the slope of your shoulders, the way you carry yourself and your vo- voice tone that people already know that you're faking. Yeah. So find something authentic to to praise the other person about and that, that that's a winner. I can't emphasize that connection enough and still no Body is doing it. Mm. So this is like this well, not nobody, few people, not many, mm. very, very few. Mm. I'm, I'm still amazed at how little it, 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 it I little know. it happens. Know. You know. All right. Finally, Val. Yes. This one is depth and light are your best friends when you're a portrait oh. photographer. So what I mean by this is whenever I'm looking for locations, I want depth and light in the background, okay? okay? So I've got a couple of examples in the show notes. So I've got uh, a girl at, that I photographed in a market and the first shot I took is I had uh, everything sharp in the frame. So she's got like a lot going on behind her and, um, you know, in terms of a shot, Val, it's okay. I've exposed for the skin tone. Skin tone looks good, but it's a bit of a hot mess in the background, don't you think? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on. There's like pillars in the background. There's people in the background. It's a fruit market. You can see the fruit. And so she's fighting for attention in this image. So just using Mm. that simple background, when I open up my exposure and shoot with a shallow depth of field, in this instance, Mm. suddenly a really busy background because there's light and depth in the background, that converts to a beautiful um, bokery background. It's like there's nothing in the background, but there's something. There's just a few little bright spots that just make it add some interest rather than having a flat wall in the background or, a, a you know, um, a chain mail fence or, a, you know, a toilet block in the background or whatever uninteresting things that you can think of, you mm. know. So, Val, this could also work for our Vogue <laughs> September issue cover yeah. with the bikini, right? Because okay. it's a simple cover because if you're thinking about, like, shooting for the cover of a business, this would be probably, you know, when we do the shoot for what what's um, Forbes when you get to the <laughs> – when you get to the billionaire status, 
<laughs> right. Uh-huh. And, yeah. And, I'm so uh, close. bump off. You bump. You're pretty close now. <laughs> when you bump off, um, Bill what's Gates. the name? Ka- the, and the Kardashians, and like, oh, I yeah. think a couple of them have, have gone on that list. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you get on that list, and we do that cover shoot for Forbes uh, top billionaires. Um, that that would be an appropriate uh, background because it's. It's not going to um, clash with the words on the cover, right? <laughs> because it's just blurry enough, but there's yes. just enough of something in the background and it works as a cover. We can have words on that and it also works as a profile pic for a business um, uh, person uh-huh. and it would work as a LinkedIn um, headshot and also as a like a Facebook page cover image as well. So thinking about the background, so what I'm always looking for when I'm looking for locations is I want to place my model somewhere where I've got a background that is far away and I've got depth mm. to get back behind me so I can back up, shoot with a long lens and so that I can compress that whole background and you can get rid of all the distractions in the background. So if you're looking at photographing someone in the forest and the trees, um, you've got this bank of trees, then you want to get your model as far away from the bank of trees as possible so that they blur out really well. So just Mm. remember, have your background far away and your model closer to the camera and that's going to give you that nice um, blurry background if that's what you're looking for. So with the beach shoot, Val, Mm. I know that the water, I'm not going to position you in the water (laughs) unless we were doing that Don Johnson sort of, um, you know, the rip-off of uh, Annie Leibovitz did a great shot of Don Johnson in a suit. Uh, No one even knows what that reference is. But, like, you know, you can do really cool shots of people in the water but everything's sharp, you know, I wouldn't do that shoot for you. I would have everything nice and soft mm-hmm. and out of focus in the background. So blue, shades of blue um, leading to yellow and then the, with the, the bikini, the macrame, the detail, nice <laughs> and sharp, lots of space for type. But then I would ask, I think there's certain issues of Vogue where it would just be, this is my ideal, Vogue, masthead, mm-hmm. September issue, that's yeah. important. Mm-hmm. Um, I do you, are you guest editor for that? I reckon that you should be. <laughs> so it would be guest um, editor Valerie Koo. Yeah, okay. Photographed by Gina Militia. Great. That's it. The cover, that's it that's on the cover, right? <laughs> nice and clean, oh that sort God. of background. All the information that I've just given you, I've shared in those five portrait tips. Yeah. We get to that. That's the that's – the, uh, that's the final image there. And wow. can I just suggest as an aside for anyone who is interested in shooting for it, like editorial for magazines that the documentary, the September issue, is oh, absolutely so brilliant. So it is about putting together the September issue of Vogue, Vogue US though I think, um, and uh, I think it's on Netflix or Prime. Yeah, or probably. It, it's, it's definitely on one of the streaming services and it's very, very good and it's such a great insight into the fashion world but also the way Anna Wintour the editor um, Mm. operates the way um, the dynamics work within the industry on the power that the editors have over um, the designers but also how editorial decisions are made in terms of what shots get in and what shots don't and how the shoots are produced so it is a really really good documentary so since you've been mentioning the September issue a lot I thought I'd throw that in. Maybe they'll sponsor us for next week's show, Val. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And it, is that it, Tina? That's it. Brilliant. Covered. That's your five tips. Hopefully that'll Fantastic. Uh, help everyone. Not 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 the the sexiest ones or the ones that are talked about, but for me. These are the most important as far as I'm – after you get the image sharp, of course. Yes, brilliant. Uh, yeah. All right, so this brings us to the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? All right, so I'm about to go for a walk and uh, nice. have a sauna and oh. then I've got uh, a couple of shoots this week, more retouching and uh, back into the deep dive I've been going on about um, – doping in the uh, sports industry which is fascinating <laughs> i'm just like i get in that you know once you pick one video then they suddenly start recommending yeah. all these other ones to yeah. you and so you go down a rabbit hole what about you uh, I've got a writing project, actually, a new one that I am uh, need to get started on. I've also... For the subs- Vogue September issue? No, it's not the, for like, the Vogue September editing. issue. Not, are they asking you to write everything you think for that? <laughs> no, or do the intro letter, won't you, when oh, you do my God. guest editor? Yeah, right. And? <laughs> and I have signed up to BritBox, which is in a, another streaming service in Australia, uh, which is um, a, a, a joint venture between the BBC and... ITV because I'm obsessed with Line of Duty, the television show, and Series 6 has just dropped on BritBox, so I am watching that. Have they got Doctor Who? Uh, I'm sure they have, yes. I think so. I can't remember, but um, Uh, I think so. Have you seen the Doctor Who episode where Vincent Van Gogh is in it? No. (laughs) You have to watch that. I shared that in my newsletter a few weeks back. It is beautiful, Val. You would love it. You have to watch it. Go to it. Watch it. I think it's like season five. Okay. But just Google – uh, Vince yeah, Van Gogh, Doctor Who, Doctor Who yeah. and uh, it like the actor looks just, just it's so good. I think as an artist, okay, you will love, you will love it. It All is right, a I'll beautiful scene. And anyone that hasn't seen it, just go check out uh, my newsletter for a couple of weeks ago. I, I did share, or just Google the shorts from Doctor Who. I trust you, trust me, you'll love it. It's a beautiful moment. Great. All right, where do we find you online, Gina? Find me at GinaMilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, I'd love the opportunity to work with you. I'm. Uh, you can find me at uh, uh, GinaMilitia.com and click on uh, membership. membership. Bell. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 